Pushkin. I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is that many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tightknit Brewing. They turn to Chase for business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hi, I'm Phil Donahue. And I'm Arlo Thomas. And we're going on a series of double dates to find out... What makes a marriage last? It's not every day that I get to hang out with a former pro quarterback. So I was pretty excited when we met up with Rodney and Holly Robinson-Pete. I knew you'd be happy to talk to a real NFL champ. And Holly has had success in so many TV shows. They're a classic power couple. All I had to do was set the levels on the recorder, and it was game time. Okay, so... So, Rodney, will you go first? Well, you're on the radio. You have a pretty good point. Uh, yeah. oh, i got to turn into my radio voice right oh, now. Wow. Yeah, Rodney P. One, two, three, four, oh, five. You got a good one. for Holly, on the toi, quatre, cinq, six. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're not going to have any. Oh, well, she's the French yes, major. She yeah, is. That's how I got him. That's how she hooked me. It's the French. That's great. Yes. You got a great voice. We started off talking about their wedding, which Holly told us was a fantastic affair. And the ceremony was presided over by my old pal from my Chicago days. None other than the Reverend Jesse Jackson. Yes, he was like a kind of a godfather, an uncle, if you will. And so he took you out for a ride before? He took us for a ride, and he essentially just started counseling us. We thought we were going to get this really awesome counseling moment. <laughs> and he said, <laughs> Are y'all like is ready for this? Because this is no joke. This married thing. Jackie and I have been married for decades, and you got to really be ready. And we said, we think we're ready. <laughs> How old were you? How old were you? Uh, I was 29 at the time. And I was 31. Yeah. So you were, you were not babies. That's good. No, no. We, and thank God we weren't, because that helped. Yeah. Because had we, I think, met and started dating in early 20s, um, we wouldn't 
be here today. As Holly likes to say, um, I was uh, when you, you were say, throwing a lot I of passes. I was monogamously challenged, is what oh, she would say. Monogamously challenged. Yes, yes. Just, she was dating someone, and I was dating everyone. Is what <laughs> way she put it. <laughs> well, I mean, come on, an NFL quarterback. Yeah, see, you got you to experience the whole thing, right? Holy Phil? cow! I mean, how many millions of you know? young men go to bed every night saying, "Oh, I wish I, wish. I was a quarterback." Yeah, yeah. the NFL. So yeah. you know, I had to find out what that was like. Yeah. So how did you? <laughs> you how, how did your you, favorite how girl did you, wasn't so impressed? How did you tame him? I was very unimpressed with the whole idea of dating a quarterback. When he was drafted and when he was a big star at USC, he was sort of off my radar. There were only a handful of black quarterbacks then in this time period. Um, and so he was kind of on my radar because I remember my dad saying, oh, this, this guy had a dad was a big football fan, mainly Eagles, but big football fan and certainly a proponent of black quarterbacks. So whenever there was one that was making waves and Rodney was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when he was at USC, he was like, you know about this guy, Rodney Pete? And I was like, meh. Right. I was dating someone at the time, but he was really, he, he was, <laughs> this guy wasn't the smartest, he wasn't the, the sharpest tool in the shed. He was, I'm a sort of, I think of myself as a worldly person. I went to Sarah Lawrence and I had a junior year in Paris and he was definitely not on my level. When I wanted him to go to Vietnam with me, he asked, wasn't there still a war going on? in Vietnam. Oh, great. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. So, but the idea of dating a, a quarterback. Was what, the last thing? You Why? Saw? On paper, it sounds very sexy. Well, how, well, for, how did you meet? We met at a, it was an R&B kind of dinner club kind of thing. And, and so we were, happened to be sitting, and it was one of those community tables. So I was with my friend and she was, who you you were with your Leela. friend. And so we sat together and listened to music and I instantly because I knew who she was, but instantly was even more attracted to her when I got to talk to her and know her. And then she began to eat. She ordered a big plate of French fries and doused it with ketchup and then put hot sauce on top <laughs> of that. And I was like, okay, this is this is a girl likes to let her hair down and <laughs> So here was this nice setup, the perfect get-to-know-you, but Holly wasn't exactly feeling the vibe. At least Rodney did, and fortunately for him, the two of them had a mutual friend. And she said, I really like this guy for you. I hate this guy you're dating, and I really need you to stop sitting around waiting for him to page you. Get up, put on your Daisy Dukes, we're going to Rodney Pete's house for a pool party. I was like, who? She said, that guy you saw at the R&B club. You need to go, let's go see him. I was like, whatever. Turns out he was only literally a five minute drive from my house. I said, well, that's interesting. So we go to the party, nothing but girls lined up against the wall and a lot and very few guys. So I was like, eh, okay, where's there something to eat? Again, me eating. So we grabbed a brisket off the barbecue, we ate it and then we left and about a half an hour later, there was a knock on my door. I remember, he only lived five years, and it was Rodney. I opened the door, and there was Rodney with all these teeth just smiling at me. And he was like, I said, don't you have a party going on at your house? He said, well, when you left, the party was over. Oh. 
What a like, good opening like, line, wow. Rod. Did you yeah. write That's that? That's gonna get you one day. You wrote that on the way, right? <laughs> So I was like, okay. So that's when I really decided to give him a shot. And we really, with the exception of maybe two or three awkward moments, have not ever been apart since. And that was 26 years ago. Wow. Yeah. So we, you know, we had a couple ups and downs and moments. We've never really broken up. And, but the litmus test was, will he travel with me? When I asked Roddy to go to Indonesia and Southeast Asia with me, and he said yes, I thought, okay, we, this, this might be something. I did want to go and travel, like really travel, but I'm a big geography and history guy. And mm-hmm. so I always wanted to travel, but I never could really find people that wanted to be that kind of adventurous. It was, hey man, let's go, let's go to Japan this, uh, when I got done with football, like let's go to Japan or let's go, let's go to Italy or let's go somewhere else, South America. And the group of friends that I had, close group, said, no, let's just go back to Hawaii and play some golf or let's, yeah, go, right. let's go to Mexico or, or Cancun Bahana, or Cancun or something like that. It was never Green really, stuff. really like really exotic type of traveling. Right. Even though I, I wanted to, it just always gave in to the people I was with right. or around and it was just an easy thing to do. Right. You know? But that's, that time when you said he was monogamously challenged, yeah. How did you get past that? Uh, I had to literally, like, remember that song, The Cleanup Woman? Yeah. <laughs> I had to be the cleanup woman. I had to go in, and the thing was, he was allowing me. So when people, girls would call uh, or try to come over, I had to say, he is now officially unavailable. <laughs> like, there, no more Rodney. I'm that Rodney Pete that Mr. Gregarious, the guy that given all the parties, he's dead. And did so, you buy into that, Rodney? Her cleaning up? Yeah. It was yeah, I did because I really liked her, um, but it was it was uncomfortable at times. I would say um, because uh, I think I had a certain way of living and I was comfortable living that way, um, not realizing that I I really needed needed to change because my my place and my my world was I had a lot of male friends would like to go hang out. My place was the meeting place. It was like everyone would come to my house before we go to dinner or go out. And then we would end up back at my house afterwards. And, and so I was like central. It was always Rodney's house. Yeah. So it was Rodney's always house my was house. The central point. Yeah. Your, your folks were like that in Beverly Hills. Yeah, yeah. For were. the comics. And yeah. yeah. The party was always happening there. Right. The yeah. cool house. Yeah. And I had to kind of like say to him, now, you got to make up your mind what you want here. Because it's not going to be this gray area for me. Uh, I was working, a self-sustaining, you know, woman. And if he wanted me and not your typical NFL wife, and by that I mean someone who basically picks up and goes to the NFL city and takes care of their man all day long, I wasn't going to be that person. And I couldn't run around and try to just police him all the time. So the little parties had to stop. Like these, these parties had to, to go. I never really broke things off with girls I dated or girlfriends. Yeah, he always <laughs> left the door just a little bit yeah, ajar, yeah. just yeah. a little bit of space. And but that, I, that, I, that gray I, area wasn't working Yeah, the gray me. area was definitely not working. <laughs> Bless but you. Deep down inside, that's what I wanted. I wanted, I did not want that, the woman that I would eventually marry 
to be have an identity that was attached to mine. I wanted her to have her own world and have her own things and have her own career and and not be that one that's waiting for me to come home going, okay, wait, I'm, you're home now, yeah, we're, we're, you know, what do we do now and kind of thing. I didn't, I, I didn't really want that. Um, so that was another thing that I, uh, that was another thing that excited me ab- about Holly that she could, I guess, pick up and leave at any time and right. be good with it. Right. And didn't need me. And when did you know he was the one? I think I knew he was one when he didn't put up a fight when I was kicking all those girls out of his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was going through drawers, <laughs> checking phone records. Really? Yeah. My parents had a terrible divorce. I had this vision, vision of being married for my whole life. Uh, and I, I just wanted to make sure he was telling me the truth and being honest with me. How old were you when your parents got a divorce? Like around six, seven. Oh. Yeah. And what about your parents' marriage? Uh, 54 years. Really? Yeah, still going. Ah, wow. So I, that's what I wanted. Right. And I love that he had this marriage, this mom and dad that, you know, together forever. So you knew... So I knew when I knew when I saw him not resisting me, he's allowing me to do my thing. Right. I think he understood early what I needed right. to feel comfortable and he allowed me to do it. Right. And when I saw that he wouldn't, you know, he didn't shut me down, I thought, wow, he's he must be pretty serious about this. But that was the male behavior you were accustomed to witnessing? I, I was accustomed to witnessing guys try to push back on me. You know, you trying the, to get them to be monogamous. Threatened by you. They, they were very, they were very intimidated and threatened by me because I'm a strong woman who does my own thing, and, and not many of you guys who are, you know, not many of you, the Phils and the Rodneys of the world, are comfortable with with strong women who are independent. To some people, that's a threat, not an exciting thing. For Rodney, he, he that was a plus. But you're perfect for a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> You know, you cannot be a, a shy little bird married to an NFL quarterback. I, I don't think that works. Well, you but have but a lot of guys want that. They you, do. Well, they do yeah. want that. They don't want the shy bird, do they? A lot of them do. They, they want, you know, this is my time. But to Phil's point, when you are the quarterback's wife, you got to kind of be a first lady. Uh, you have to organize things. You got to speak for the, you know, you have to take care of the receivers' wives, the offensive line wives. Oh, really? oh, you got to be Switzerland with everyone. Too. You got to really be, you got to really be on your game. No kidding. So it's not just stand there and look pretty. The life of a, the life of a quarterback's <laughs> wife is not easy, especially yeah. in Philadelphia. You have to have a thick skin, and um, he did choose the right person. So mm-hmm. we would, you know, we, we we would do a lot to. We were a good Except team. There was one time that she. She kind of what got involved in a little dispute when they were bad mouthing me a little bit. Oh, what in did you Philadelphia. do? Who was bad mouthing you? Well, the media. We had a, had a bad game, and everybody was coming down on me, and they were blasting me, blasting me. And so this one decides to call in to the radio station. Good for you. But disguise her voice. Oh. <laughs> Like, tell these guys, you don't know what you're talking about. And she was being way too specific because she was defending me so hard that these guys... And they totally made me. Yeah, they did. Those were some tough, tough, tough days, yeah. We'll have more after a quick break. 
Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Join hosts Ben Walter, CEO of Chase for Business, and Tanya Nebo, a lawyer and business consultant, on these storytelling journeys of trials, tribulations, and triumphs that hinged on a single event, a split-second decision, or even a stroke of luck. Whether the story is about a warehouse going up in flames or a former partner stealing a whole roster of clients, each episode will showcase the grit, determination, and resourcefulness a small business owner needed to turn a pivotal situation into a springboard for success. Listen to The Unshakables now and learn more at chase.com business podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. Hello, hello. Malcolm Gladwell here from Revisionist History, my podcast about the overlooked and the misunderstood. A couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Outliers. It was about exceptional people, the ones who operate at the outer edges of human performance. Outliers fascinate me. And last year, I discovered an outlier in the form of a community organization, Washington State's City of Bellevue. The city wanted to improve public safety by making their roads safer. So they created something that no one had ever built before, a platform that gave road users warnings of any dangers ahead in real time. How did they build it? By using a combination of technologies, the cellular vehicle-to-everything network, T-Mobile's 5G network, and 5G-connected cameras. People driving, bicycling, walking, running, can't forget people running, and people operating the transportation network now had a way to prevent crashes. It's been a huge success. The city of Bellevue earned first place in the community category at the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards, an event that celebrates T-Mobile customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of meaningful change. If you're a T-Mobile for Business customer and your team has, like the city of Bellevue, innovated something really, really cool, I encourage you to enter. It's also a great way for outliers to be recognized in front of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. We're back to our conversation with Rodney Pete and Holly Robinson Pete. 
and Marlo wanted to know about their biggest challenge as a couple. The big giant challenge came when RJ got diagnosed with autism. Yeah. So when he was three and he got diagnosed, that was the kick in the gut. Mm-hmm. Like that, to this day, I'm not sure how we survived that because there was blame and denial. And, you know, I, when I found out we got the diagnosis, you know, I went to books and I started dog-earing pages and highlighting passages just trying to turnkey it for him. And then I would go, by then he was playing in, in, for the Raiders, and I would go to Oakland, and I would look under the bed, and there was the whole package that I sent with all the highlighted passages not even opened. He didn't even look at it. Because? He's in denial. Yeah. He didn't want, he didn't want to deal with the fact. He, we didn't know what autism was. This lady sat down across from us. This developmental pediatrician told us everything our son would never be. He won't speak. He won't go to mainstream school. He won't play sports. It made Rodney crazy. It made him feel, you know, like she told us what this three-year-old would never be. Wow. And it was just the most horrible, awful, man. horrible thing. And then you start blaming each other. You're like, we don't know why he got this thing. We don't know what autism is. He has a twin sister, you know, and he wasn't hitting the milestones that she was hitting at the same time. And there were no signs of anything with her. No. But crazy, when they went in for the diagnosis, for the evaluation, she mimicked him the whole time. She was like, you're, I'm go- you're going down, I'm going down. Oh. And he, they came back to us with diagnosis, they're both on the spectrum. We're like, what, her too? No way. And then, oh yes, yes, we, we, she's doing everything. She's, she's flapping and stimming and turning and twirling and oh. not making eye contact. And then when she came out, and this is a three-year-old, right? And, I, and we didn't realize it till later that she was mimicking him to let him know that she was with him. Oh. She was not, she's not on the spectrum. She's, you know, a normal, typical kid, but boy, she- Boy, talk she, about battering for oh, you, yeah. Oh yeah, it was rough. It was, it was rough. And so, Mind you, when, when you go in and she spends 40 minutes with your kids and says, she gives you a lifelong diagnosis, you're like, well, really? it was longer than 40. The diet, yeah. It's like a two-hour two thing. Even yeah. so, it, it might still, have felt, it felt like, like 40 still minutes. two hours. Like, it's still... In that short a period of time, are you going to yeah. tell me what my son will never do? Right. So that was the beginning of when I didn't know, like, the, I always envisioned, oh, I'm going to have this husband forever. And that was the first moment where I was like, he's not getting on board with what I need to do. I have to roll up my sleeves and become a gangster for this kid. And she did. She did. I cannot worry about, oh, he's not the son I dreamed of, and he's not going to play in the NFL. He's not going to win the Heisman Trophy. Like, the little things that I felt like Rodney was, like, obsessing on, although they weren't really those things. But to my mind, they were. Whenever RJ would come to the games, when he would play, all the other football players' kids would run around and get autographs and be, like, you know, into it and connecting, and RJ would be twirling around in the corner, flapping his hands, you know, not talking to anybody. Um, and it was devastating. If I had to go back, I would have been nicer and more patient because I understand now that the processing of the diagnosis of autism, especially for a dad and his son, is much different than it is for a mom. I think oh that God, affected me than okay. more so than it affected her. We were dealing with bullying at school. There was so much going on. And now when you look back, I realize that 
as much as I, we blamed each other or were frustrated with each other about the, because I was frustrated that Rodney was in denial. And I knew that that denial was eating up time. And there was a small window of time that RJ had to get his brain right in order to present himself to the world. And Rodney was not moving fast enough for me. And it was the only time, even with all the, the football teams and the drama that we dealt with or whatever we were dealing with, that I felt like I can't do this with him because he's slowing me down. He's holding me back from just doing everything I can to get this kid ready for life. Because I was stuck in my own selfish world, like why me and um, what did I do wrong? And this is not the vision I had for my firstborn son. And I want him to experience the things that I did growing up because it was beneficial for me. And now he's going to do it. And then I went into, okay, uh, I'm an athlete. I'm going to do it like my dad did. I'm going to coach it out of him. And <laughs> the just, autism I was coach. Not, yeah, I was not equipped with the right tools. I didn't believe the therapies. I, didn't, I just said, I can do this myself. And it came to a point where she's like, you've got to get on board. And there was an embarrassing moment with all of the therapies and one of our big group sessions that I was asked to kind of do some things because it doesn't end at the therapy. You've got to go home and, and it's 24-7. You've got to you know, talk to him the right way and engage with him the right way. And I didn't have any of those tools because I didn't study. I didn't, wasn't willing to learn. And so the embarrassing moment was when the therapist asked me to engage with my son and he had no engagement with me. No eye contact, no laughter, no playing. And, and then one of the other therapists got on the floor with him and started talking to him in, in special ways, engaging him with eye contact certain ways. And he immediately lit up and responded to everything that she was doing. And it wasn't like immediately the light went off, but I did deep down know that I was doing so. I had to change the way I was thinking. And, but I responded like, she set me up to this, set me up to fail. She was, mm -hmm. you know, trying to make me look bad. Mm -hmm. and this, so I was still stuck in my selfish ways. Mm -hmm. And she was like, look, this is the way it has to happen. And unless you can do this and get on board with it, we can't last. And so when he realized that he, you know, had to change his ways and it happened on a dime, it was just the most amazing thing. So thank God. Right. Right. And that was huge hurdle, huge Pete hurdle number one. Yeah. That was that was one I didn't think we could we were going to. So That's when that happened, I was like, oh, shit, we can handle we can handle a lot of other things now. Like cause that one was tough. Right. It breaks up couples very, very easily. Hmm. So that was a huge hurdle, and I'm glad he, yeah. he came through. And how lucky is he to have enlightened parents like you guys? I mean, I know oh, he is. Really, I mean, he's uh, very lucky. <laughs> and 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 also, uh, I I would I mean I suppose that what that doctor said, that pediatrician said that day, was not true. Oh, that poor doctor! I went on an Oprah show and talked about that doctor so bad. I feel badly. I didn't mention her name, uh -huh. but I wanted other parents to hear, if you're getting this diagnosis today, never let some doctor tell you what your three-year-old is going to become. Right. It's a horrible thing to do to, to, I mean, there's so much hope that she robbed us of in that moment. And had I not been the bulldog mom and the Johnny come lately dad who was on board later on, 
we would mean we might have succumbed to that hopelessness. So this is this gigantic boulder in the middle of your marriage. Yes. How do you still become a couple who gets to play? I think there was a period of time where it was just so about RJ that we did neglect each other. Uh-huh. We tried to make it about each other, but I think it just became get this kid as right as possible so that when we die, he's going to be okay. And how did you find your way back to each other? Um, we've done a lot of talking, a lot of advocacy. I think the advocacy and starting the foundation and meeting with other parents and seeing the change we were affecting yeah. helped, really helped us go, okay, we're doing something right. We're doing something right. And that bonded us. It's powerful when yeah. he goes and speaks to other dads yeah. because especially about his- being a macho black right. athlete and like they sit in the room go, wow, he was in denial. And they're like, see, honey, he's in denial. Right, and right. He yeah. figured it out. Right. And so that's a powerful, some powerful um, image to put out there. Right. Well, tell us about RJ today. Oh. You start crying. The water <laughs> that's way, yeah. You, you go, Phil. You oh, still doing them waterworks things, huh? <laughs> well, boy, it wasn't intentional. <laughs> <laughs> well... He now works for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He's a clubhouse attendant. They love him. Oh. He, and every time I, like, I put on social media or I post, I say, thank you, Dodgers, for giving my son a job. They always write me back going, no, thank you for RJ. You know what he brings to this clubhouse? Mm. We've had some tough losses over the last few years. RJ is the guy that has to put the champagne back <laughs> in the sixth inning. <laughs> you know, when we're going to lose the World Series or whatever. So he, it's, it's an emotional thing, an emotional journey. So when the doctor told us he would never have a job and he would probably never have friends, yeah, he never had friends growing up. And now he has, you know, a whole dugout full of friends. And that's really just so powerful. So RJ is driving. RJ is um, he's communicating. He's connecting. He has uh, a great job, his dream job. Makes his own money, does his own banking. I mean, he, he is, and he's, he's happy. Like you said, he's, he's driving and he's connecting with people. Um, he still has issues, yeah. still has a lot of OCD. Can't talk to women or girls yet. And he's, I'm not just saying this because he's my baby, but he's gorgeous. And so it's a success story. Yeah. The kid that was... The one we were worried that was kind of pushing us apart. Yeah, brought us back together. Brought us back together and still does. Did you go to couples therapy? Yes. Yeah. From day one. By the way, I should say that was the one of traveling to far places was one um, criteria. And the other was you have to be willing to sit down with a shrink. And Rodney Pete did not come from that. That's not in his background. Like his parents were like, where are you? Are you giving my son a lobotomy? (laughs) And so he had to be willing to do that. And when he said yes to that, because these little strong black men don't do that. They do not sit down in a room and have some person tell them anything. That's just, they'll go to a pastor or a preacher. We we went a couple of (laughs) times. The Irishman here didn't sit well (laughs) with him. We had a fight in front of the therapist the first day and he left, slammed the door before we were married. 
And the therapist, it was my therapist, and the therapist said to me, you sh this is not the guy for you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that sounds like my, the never day lady. I know, yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, no, because I mean, in the middle right. of a meeting, he gets yeah. mad and yeah. leaves. That's not a good you, sign. You know, not a good sign at all. <laughs> this, is, this guy's not good for you. Uh, but, but it was interesting, because every time we would run into that therapist, years later, he would say, you guys kill me. You don't resolve anything, do you? We don't resolve everything. You can't resolve everything. But so, I like that. I mean, you can't resolve everything. Yeah. And I do, I think if, if I have one of my very few faults that I have, um, if that I do try to micromanage, you know, um, our relationship sometimes. Um, the autism thing was rough, but you mentioned the other hurdle number two or three, I lost count, retirement, when he retired. Yeah. When the lights went out on the football career, um, I thought I was ready for it. Um, but I think I was so worn out from the autism stuff that I was like, oh, do, you know, is this now what? First of all, you don't want it to end because it's something you've done for eight years old. And then on top of that, it ends at 38 and everybody's just in the prime of their working career at that time, you know, and Although so 38 is old for, yeah, yeah, it's old for my profession. Yes, yeah. exactly. So now you're at, you know, 38 years old and you're like, okay, I just had, you know, a wonderful life doing what I always wanted to do. That's over. Where am I going to find that high? Where am I going to find that same feeling? Rush, yeah. yeah. Where am I going to get that rush from? And I went right from playing to a, show uh, uh, being hired by Fox to do a, a pretty popular show called Best Damn Sports Show. Um, but I wasn't happy. I mean, I was like still thinking that was going to get fill that void. So I spent a lot of time chasing that rush because there was no handbook. There was no handbook to say this is what you're supposed to do or feel like or all those type of things. And then the other thing that was happening was Rodney was in immense pain from playing football. They had opioids hanging out in the, you know, like mints in the locker rooms. And so he was dealing with... To get them through the game, you mean? Get mm -hmm. them through the game, get them through life, get them through yeah. the week, you know. Uh, and he was drinking. And so he was dealing with all of those things on top of retiring and then me in denial about what those things were causing. And he didn't know how many concussions he had. He had so many. As an athlete, you just deal, you just basically live within pain. Because in football especially, you play on a Sunday, you don't feel good until that following Friday or Saturday. Because mm -hmm. you're dealing with the pain from the past Sunday. Opioids and things that they gave you, that we find out now, that was just so terrible and detriment to your body. It was, they give it out like candy. Yeah, there were, there were definitely dark moments and dark times and... Drinking and all drinking that. Drinking yeah. and taking pills. Found myself constantly, you know, like when you dream and you're you're in a place, you fall and you can't stop falling. You're always falling. Right, you right. can't find anywhere to you know, see. It was that kind of feeling in terms of chasing that rush. Because I mean, but retirement that, is yeah. a huge thing. Yes. Everybody in the world is going to have to retire. At some point. Well, and I think the biggest thing and the biggest part of it is, and it's 100% true, is that I would not be here, being able to overcome a lot of the things that I've been able to work through and overcome if she was not willing to work it out with me. You've been through so many big 
tsunamis, yeah. you know, and you've and you've ridden the wave and and hung on to each other through it. I mean, what if that isn't love? What is? I mean, and you still, got it, and still doing it too, yeah. Marlo. Like still there, like still reper- still some of the repercussions of some of the decisions that were made. Right. Still paying for that a little bit. Still dealing with that. And um, I still think a work in progress. It's yeah. still. A work in progress. Everybody's a work in progress. All right, right till the end. (laughs) One couple we said they said we're we're always under construction. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you are. We 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 are too. Don't think we've made it. I mean, we're you know we're still riding the waves of all kinds of stuff that we have to. You're never not a parent. You guys have been amazing. I mean, this really is, fabulous. It's really Aww. so juicy. So, <laughs> right. so, yeah. it had... And as we were wrapping up, Holly and Rodney had some terrific advice for all couples who are works in progress. We do something called, we call it same page love, where if you're on the same page, things are good. When you're on a different chapter or even a whole other book, that's a bad thing. So when you say we try to get same page love, is that like an exercise? Yes, yeah, that's sit down, allow each other to talk and listen. Like, give them a time limit. Maybe it's 15 minutes. Okay, now you're on the clock. Because what happens and is... Then you come to an agreement. Are you the couple that also has the 20-second hug? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. I read that yeah. somewhere. Oh, my gosh. Well, you, such a and good when researcher. someone, if I call for it, she's got to give it to me. And vice versa. Can't pull away. You got to hold that hug. There's all this energy going on. You want to just fucking kill them. <laughs> because what happens, you, even though you're angry, you start reminiscing about why you're together and what it means to be together. I think yeah, it's that, yeah. and that physical yeah. thing. I think yeah. it's a physical, yeah. your heart connects yes. to each other. I mean, all other. that comes out, right? It all, it, it's just a it's the connection. That's Rodney and Holly Robinson Pete. What an inspiring couple. It just goes to show that with bravery and perseverance, you can get through almost anything as a couple. As long as you have the right person on your team. Until next time, I'm Phil Donahue. And I'm Marlo Thomas. Well, the, 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 you gave us two great pieces of advice, the 20-second hug <laughs> and, the, and the get on the same page. Same page yeah. love. Yeah, same page That's love. great. That's our little hashtag. That's great. Gotta have a hashtag these days, Marlo. <laughs> Double Date is a production of Pushkin Industries. The show was created by us and produced by Sarah Lilly. Michael Bahari is associate producer. Musical adaptations of It Had to Be You by Stellwagen Symphonette. Marlo and I are executive producers, along with Mia Lobel and Lital Molad from Pushkin. Special thanks to Jacob Weisberg, Malcolm Gladwell, Heather Fain, John Schnars, Carly Migliori, Eric Sandler, Emily Rostek, Jason Gambrell, Paul Williams, and Bruce Kluger. If you like our show, please remember to share, rate, and review. Thanks for listening. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. 
See you there. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.